Today on Cross Radio. Whenever Jesus saw that there was a crowd, multitudes of them coming after him, he began to take matters seriously. He started by laying down the cost. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He wanted them to count the cost in the first place so that those who follow would know the truth before following. They were not brainwashed or hypnotized by a very persuasive sales pitch or some prosperity scheme. The call of Jesus is a call to die. Tell this to a crowd and see the difference. Jesus is making disciples, but it is an uncommon supernatural disciple-making. He is building a cemetery, a graveyard of true disciples, a following of dead people, dead to self, dead to sin, and alive in Him. This is not a morbid thought, but rather a realistic one, for He wants those who desire to follow Him to count the cost. Why? Because the cost of discipleship is the disciple's life. This divides the crowd. This is no light matter. It is all or nothing. There is no middle ground. There is no lukewarm person to claim that he is a follower of Jesus yet denies his call to die. If I really want to follow Jesus, I need to ask myself if I am ready to die. Good day, cross listeners. This is the second and final half of our two-part session radically entitled Deadly Discipleship. On this session, we will discuss what it means to truly go and make disciples of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You will learn indeed that it's not just hard, it's impossible for us to do what Christ did apart from His grace alone. Twister once said, The cost of discipleship is a disciple's life. It is like attending your own funeral. Thus, we have a deadly discipleship. But on this session, you will also know that even if it costs us, our lives, to dive deep into discipleship, we gain so much more because we gain Christ Himself. The cost of discipleship, therefore, is not greater than the gain we have in Christ. Listen to this 20-minute slice and do follow us on Facebook, Cross Radio PH, and share our posts to family and friends. Again, enjoy learning from and listening to Cross Radio. To God alone be the glory. Two thousand years ago, a man hung there on the cross claiming two major claims. One, that he is God, the Lord of the entire universe, and second, that he is the Messiah, the one sent to save his people from sin, death, and Satan. The Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus of Nazareth, lived in human flesh, died, and rose again on the third day. This is the good news about the good God doing the good work of saving sinners for his good name. It's all about Jesus. Recording in the City of Smiles, Philippines, you are listening to this Crosscast episode where we do our very best to lead people to the person and work of Christ through the ministry of His Word. We believe and repent of our sins and yes, follow Him as Lord and Savior. It's all about Jesus. Stay tuned in, listen intently, open your Bibles joyfully, and surrender your hearts fully. This is Cross Radio, the Christocentric word to the Christo-needing world.
Son of God was given a go signal by the Father as the very missionary God Himself. I came to seek and save the lost, He said. He is on the go before us, and we follow. With this go signal beamed towards us, we enter into His own missionary journey. Now, He sends us, in His name, to seek and save the lost. We go and make disciples. He saves and secures people for all eternity. He sends us to go. He saves. What is sweeter than being in the fellowship and mold of the Son of God? Author Leonard Sweet once wrote that the two-thirds of the letters in the word God form the word go. God is the God of go. He goes first. He sends us to go. He goes with us. He accomplishes the victory in, through, and for us. In fact, the word go in its original Matthew 28 language signifies three very important things. Let's look at the bullet points. Point number one, come and go. Again, point number one, come and go. The word go signifies a movement, of course. During the first call of Jesus to his disciples on the Sea of Galilee, his call was for them to come towards him, to follow him until the Lord's purpose is accomplished in their lives. Be so near me that you abide in me. Be with me. Be like me. Come, follow me. And what was the purpose? That Jesus will build them up, will tear them down, will shape them into, and will make them Christ-like disciple-makers. Quote, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit, end quote. He assures them, and I will make you fishers of men. Look at the word end. It is connected to the first premise. Follow me, and I will make you. Listen to this. His job is to make us disciple-makers as we follow him. After the cross and the resurrection, this is the core content of the gospel. Jesus now calls them again as his followers and gives them this clear commission. Now, as you continue to follow me, make followers of me. The news is now complete. It's now good. Now share the gospel to the world. Our job is to follow Jesus. And Jesus' job is to make us fishers of men. This is our grand purpose here on earth. We glorify as we follow and make followers of Jesus Christ. As the disciple follows Jesus with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength, that disciple, by grace and by grace alone, begins to walk his talk, to practice what he preaches, and to live out the faith he loudly professes. Soon he begins to influence and annoy a few people. The word go has been debatable to some because of its Greek grammatical structure. It is not the main verse on this passage, contrary to what the King James Version or some would render it to be. It is a participle, therefore. It should be translated as, quote, going or as you are going, end quote. Most translators would render the interpretation this way. As you go through the daily grind of life, make disciples. This means that, in essence, the word here stabilizes and solidifies the heart to be fully grounded in the disciple-making movement. Wherever you are, whatever you do, whoever you meet, in whatever circumstance, make disciples. The main verb is in making disciples, not in the going. So as you go, this is the movement indicator, make disciples. This is the main action or the command to be obeyed. However, true... This does not mean that going 
is passive in its original language. Just stay where you are and do the work there. Nope. We need to go back to the original Koine Greek. The word poriomai or porioenthes is active and signifies a movement. New Testament Greek scholar Dr. Robert Mounds puts it this way. Quote, porioenthes should be translated go. Jesus' instructions are proactive. We are to move out into the world, not simply make disciples when we happen to be there. End quote. Later on, Dr. Mounds continues, quote, With the help of accordance, I found that in the New Testament, there are 27 occasions where poruenthes is followed by a main verb in the imperative mood. The result? In every case, the participle should be translated as an imperative. End quote. The word go here now is an imperative. Matthew 28's word go is a command to be obeyed. It is an order that needs to be accomplished. It has within its broth the flavor of Jesus' complete authority. Going means moving. In essence, the word go is an invitation to obedience. It is an imperative, a command we respond to and out of love. The true disciples of Jesus obey. Remember after the commission, the ascension of Jesus and the Pentecost found in the book of Acts, the disciples still did not go. They remained in Jerusalem until persecution took away their comforts and drove them out. This was the diaspora, the dispersion of the disciples to go and make disciples. They were not merely encouraged to obey, they were radically pushed to move. The persecution scattered the disciples and the gospel was spread to all parts of the globe. Going has within it the important element of intentionality. As it was intentional to come and follow Jesus, it was also intentional to go for him and make disciples. Deadly discipleship is radical obedience. Deadly discipleship is intentional discipleship. Will you go? Point number two, if point number one is come and go, point number two is go means die. Again, go means die. Now it goes deeper and harder. The word go in its original colloquial use has the ability to scare its hearers. Why? Because poriomai or go signifies a diving towards impending death. A diving towards impending death. The word is used euphemistically for going to one's own death. When one says that he or she will go in this context is to have the idea that he or she will not come back alive. Or if one will ever come back, he or she will never be the same again. To poriumai or to go is to commit suicide for a cause greater than oneself. To go to a place one knows will not be very comfortable. To leave everything behind just so one can move forward towards a certain larger-than-life goal. To the theologian Joseph Henry Thayer, the word go is in its usage, quote, Hebraism, metaphorically, to depart from life, end quote. Allow me to quote Tozer once again here, quote, The old cross is a symbol of death. It stands for abrupt, violent end of a human being. 
The man in Roman times who took up his cross and started down the road had already said goodbye to his friends. He was not coming back. He was going out to have it ended. The cross made no compromise, modified nothing, spared nothing. It slew all of the man completely and for good. End quote. Going for Jesus, therefore, means dying for him. This is at the heart of deadly discipleship. True disciples are no chickens when it comes to coming and going and making disciples for Jesus. I wrote this article a few years ago and allow me to read it here. To follow Jesus is to attend your own funeral. Do you love Jesus? I once roared while preaching to thousands of students at my own university. The crowd went wild in a resounding yes. And I, for some euphoric reason, went bananas. It's easy, I guess, when the crowd goes your way. When the people inside the stadium roar with you, we go with our own type of crowd. We flock with the same feathered birds. And even nonconformists are a group of their own. We choose our herd. So when I was there on stage, sudden jolts of instant flashbacks came. Yes, ambiverts like me have a theater inside our brains. We are both the performers and the critics. The images were my mental clips of Jesus and his disciples. Do you love me? Jesus asks Peter. Several pages ago, Peter claimed he loved Jesus so much he was willing to die for him. Just a few paragraphs after that, we see Peter denying Jesus. So the question was really meaningful. Do you really love me? Again, thank you for listening to Cross Radio. This is our ministry of God's Word to the world. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast platforms and our Facebook page. Just search for Cross Radio PH. Again, Cross Radio PH. Click like and follow us for regular updates. Share us to as many friends and family on Facebook. Also, I would like to ask you to pray for this ministry. Partner with us through your prayers. Pray for this ministry to really serve you and other listeners globally and together we will glorify God by enjoying Him every day. Thank you so much. I hope you see more of God today. Enjoy Him deeply and truly. And now back to our Cross Radio episode. Several pages ago, Peter claimed he loved Jesus so much he was willing to die for Him. Just a few paragraphs after that, we see Peter denying Jesus. So the question was really meaningful. Do you really love me? I can feel the vibrations coming from Peter's throat, just like the raising of the hands of the crowd in front of me. Do you really love Jesus? 90% of them, I assumed, were raising their hands high above the air. Whenever Jesus saw that there was a crowd, multitudes of them, coming after him, he began to take matters seriously. He started by laying down the cost. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. He wanted them to count the cost in the first place so that those who follow would know the truth before following. They were not brainwashed or hypnotized by a very persuasive sales pitch or some prosperity scheme. The call of Jesus is a call to die. Tell this to a crowd and see the difference. Jesus is making disciples, but it is an uncommon supernatural disciple-making. He is building a cemetery, a graveyard of true disciples. 
a following of dead people, dead to self, dead to sin, and alive in Him. This is not a morbid thought, but rather a realistic one, for He wants those who desire to follow Him to count the cost. Why? Because the cost of discipleship is the disciple's life. This divides the crowd. This is no light matter. It is all or nothing. There is no middle ground. There is no lukewarm person to claim that he is a follower of Jesus yet denies his call to die. If I really want to follow Jesus, I need to ask myself if I am ready to die. Because if I am not ready to die, I am not ready to live. Do not commit your life until you have counted the cost. Listen to this. It will be worth it. Desire God's will above all things. Decide to pay the cost and being used by God and dare to trust His promises. Take the risk. Step out in faith and know that He is worth it all. Do not play it safe. I do not conform to the ideologies of popular evangelism schemes, but I admit though that I am playing on the safe zone of life more often. I conform to the safer crowd. Quote, I always thought I loved Jesus more than this, and quote, I told the crowd this time, reminding them of Peter. The truth is, I couldn't. My mouth is bigger than my life. I keep on failing him anyway, just like Peter. My mouth is bigger than my life. Although I am light years behind his literary prowess, I echo the words of Gordon Atkinson when he wrote, quote, I am constantly found guilty of the sin of words. Vulgarity is not my downfall, though I am vulgar. My sin is having words that are far more beautiful than my life. How graceful are those whose lives outshine their words. End quote. Well, soon after the events that transpired, Peter was empowered to give up his life for Jesus. He was crucified upside down because he refused to deny his Savior. What inspired Peter to give up his life? Listen to this. He saw the cross. This is the starting point of our deaths. His death, the cross of Jesus. The more you fix your eyes on this, the more you'll understand what dying to self means. True love did not just define his own life. It gladly ended it. Grace empowers the disciple to die to self. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me the life I now live. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. True love defines now the life of a disciple. To follow Jesus is to attend your own funeral, but it will be a happy day where his grace and glory abound. Deadly discipleship really is deadly for it will demand from us our dreams, our rights, our ambitions, our abilities, our unhealthy relationships, our greatest treasure, our time, the best and the worst of us, our lives and our everything. Will you go? Now we move to our third and last point. Point number three, going is an act of surrender. Going is an act of surrender. We don't just die for the sake of extreme emotional giving up of our lives. It's not a hyperactive jump into some hyperbolic unknown. We go and we die because we deem the great commissioner worth it. It's not merely an act of obedience because we can. We can easily obey externally without the heart of it. Now we go deeper still. At the core of it all, 
is the cry for surrender. We go for Him in the same way we have come towards Him. We taste and see that He is good. It is Him. It is diving deeper into the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. My favorite picture is actually one in prostrate position of bowing down, of accepting defeat, and ultimately handling over the reign of one's life to a worthy king. It is also the image that I subtly reject. It goes against every fiber of my being. Following Jesus is kingdom come in the life of an individual. We now have a new king, and kingdom principles are primarily rooted in bowing down to the king. A true disciple has within him a posture of bowing down. He or she is being ruled over by the Lord of all lords. In being commissioned, you go as a subject to the King of Kings, and we are witnesses to His authority and His epic grace. Going, therefore, is a testament of obedience and surrender. To the postmodernist, this sounds like metal constantly scratched against another. Some would rather want to slice off their own ears to do away with the eerie sound. Before answering to the call of what and where and when to disciple, we answer to the deeper call of surrender. It is in the moments of surrender that we go deeper into our intimacy with our Savior and Lord. The disciple is in his highest form when he bends and bows his lowest in front of his Maker and King. Surrender is not merely acknowledging the Lordship of Christ, but the sufficiency of what He did on the cross. It goes beyond external commitments and superficial actions. The act of surrender is at the heart of discipleship, for this reveals our true identity. You cannot teach surrender. You cannot school stone hearts and stiff-necked people into obedience. No church program or material in discipleship can ever pull a disciple towards a surrendered life apart from the self-revelation of Jesus in the gospel-centered word. One only surrenders when one has seen wholeheartedly the two sides of reality, the side of God's supremacy and the side of humanity's futility. When I see my true self in the light of sin and when I see God in the light of His holiness and grace, I can't really help but bow down low and cling to His mercy. We look to the cross. The grace-driven response of the individual will be, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. John 6, 68-69 And this is, surprisingly, from Peter. Postmodernism remains in futility as long as it espouses the lack of need for a Lord and Savior. Today we have this notion that each one is his own Lord and Savior. I am the captain of my soul. This becomes a hindrance to seeing the reality of our true need and the supremacy of Christ, which will still be revealed in the coming end of things. To go for Him and His cause, therefore, goes against our superficial faith and simplistic mindset of playing church. Now, we go as surrendered followers and we make followers of Jesus Christ. Surrender is key. Will you go? Thank you for subscribing, liking, and following our Facebook page, Cross Radio PH. In fact, this is not just a page for you to like or share, although we highly appreciate it. But Cross Radio is a ministry of God's Word to the world. 
Here we share regularly, if not daily, either a blog post, an article, a podcast entry from our resident students of the Word, specifically geared to reaching listeners who wants to hear God through His Word and by all means, by God's grace and for God's glory. Do it in a manner that rightly divides the truth and magnifies the name of Christ. Message me privately via Cross Radio for comments, suggestions, and prayer requests, or you can visit our blog site at www.crossph.wordpress.com. If you are a child of God, if you are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, I challenge you to make this your ministry as well. Go and share this to family and friends and together listen to or read God's Word in faith and in joy. We are so excited on what will transpire soon, praying that indeed God will be magnified the most and people will enjoy their deepest through the Christocentric Word. This is your quarantine companion, Cross Radio. Have a good and godly day.